Thanks to the worship team. Let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. It's always great to have Kim and Lorin with us. Welcome, Kim. I want to pray with you as you come up and share God's word. And I really believe that what Kim has got to share with us tonight is really ties into what God has been doing in and through us. And um, yeah, let's just be attentive and, and quick to respond. If God challenges your heart tonight, just be, be quick and say, Lord, yes, I'll say yes to you. So Lord, I just thank you for Kim, Lord. I thank you that he's a, a father in the house, Lord. I thank you, Lord, even as he oversees Josh Jen. Lord, what, uh, just what a work that you're doing through, through him and Loren, Lord. And we're so, so, so grateful for the way that this man serves you, Lord. And so God, I pray that even as he would bring your word tonight, Lord, God, God that you would speak through him right into the center of our hearts, Lord. May you anoint him, may your spirit, uh, uh, your anointing be upon him in a mighty way tonight, Lord. May, above all else, Lord, may we hear your voice and may we be quick to respond in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. Thank you, Carl. Good evening, everybody. It's uh, awesome to see you all over here. I see Pam over there. Hi, Pam. <laughs> Where's Will? Missing him. Anyway, it's great to be here with you uh, this afternoon. Uh, this morning, we had the privilege of going through to our 42nd congregation, Brooklyn, and opening that. And it was absolutely amazing. The, it's, it's such a vibey crowd. I never experienced anything like it in my life. They had a flash mob, as uh, we called uh, um, Adam and Ali up. They all ran from the back. We are family. <laughs> and I think it's such a cool way to start church. Eh? We are all family. And next thing, that's those sparklers that explode from the ceiling. And then they brought out a tape. We had to cut it with the scissors. And they put uh, these Indian headrests on Adam and Ali to signify that they're the leaders. And these guys went boss for Jesus. And I think the last time I was here, we told you how exciting it was that, you know, God is on the move and he's so great in Justin at the moment because we had grown to 32 congregations after COVID and right now we're sitting on 42 and uh, it's just simply amazing how God is using um, the people and Joshua generation to, you know, advance the kingdom, which is amazing. And then I look at Carl and Delia. Uh, who we know very well, and it's great to have them here as elders now. And uh, they eventually listened, they opened their ears, and it took a bit of a boot up the behind to get them moving. But yeah, they are, and I think they're doing a remarkable job. Amen? Yeah. So it's a pleasure being here. And uh, before I start this preach, I want to ask you just to change your posture. Some of the songs were absolutely amazing. I want to thank the worship team, Michelle, you guys were amazing. But just open your your hands, shut your eyes, and let's just wait on the Holy Spirit. He has the power to change you. He, has, he is the power that will raise you from the dead one day. There's nothing else on earth today that can change you but the Holy Spirit. So let's just wait on Him for a moment. So Holy Spirit, come. Speak into my heart. Lord, if there's any adjustments that you want me to make, just touch that part. Pull that scab off that wound. Bring about a healing. Lord, this is about you. We are because you paid a price for us. 
We want to be reconciled to our Father as holy and righteous people. We understand, Lord, that we can't do this in our strength. But the fact that your Holy Spirit is amongst us right now, we want to drink from this water, this living water. Amen. Talking about drinking of water. A terrible thing about uh, these masks when you worship, eh? wow, you're singing in carbon monoxide, <laughs> and your head goes like, <laughs> feel like all spaced out. Anyway, uh, the title of tonight's preach is, do you actually want to be healed where you are at the moment? Do you actually want to be healed? And I think it ties in with last week's preach. Carl basically gave me a brief in terms of where you guys were. And then I was listening to some of the worship songs, and I said, Lord, clearly the word that you gave me on Thursday is appropriate and is right for the congregation right now. So there's one part of the uh, preach where I'm going to be quite vulnerable in terms of who and where I am at the moment. So excuse me if I, I, I splutter, but uh, I'll try and hold it together. So there are two, if you really want to be super simplistic about it, uh, two types of questions we often ask each other. So really simplistically, there are two questions that we normally ask of each other. The first type of question is, ba is based on the need for information. It is asked in order for the asker to know something that he or she doesn't already know. This is the kind of question that Laureen often asks me and I often ask Laureen. Where are the car keys? Or where did you put my iPad? Or where is the remote for the TV set? You know, and like, you should know, and I don't know. And those are typical everyday questions. And I assume that the person that I'm asking possesses the knowledge that, it, that I need, and they might be willing to share it with me. It's like, oh, Anna, you left your cell phone in the kitchen. And she's oh, you know, it's getting old, you know. But the amazing thing is, Apple have come up with these new, um, what they call air tags. So now you can take an air tag from Apple and you can hook it to your, your, your car keys. And then if you lose your car keys, you just take your cell phone and it tells you exactly where your car keys are. But in our case, we can never find our cell phones <laughs> or your glasses to see what's on the iPhone. Where are they? And it's like, eh, I can't see anything. And there's another type of question, and this one is not based on information but it's based on revelation. This is based on revelation. This is very important for you guys to get. You ask this type of question to one another when you know the answer, and maybe the person you're asking knows the answer, but through asking it, you reveal something else that the person you're talking to might know. So Adam is a good example. So I'd go to Adam and ask him a question, and I think I know the answer, but when he opens his mouth, I just realize I'm clueless. <laughs> So he's very bright, very wise, and uh, he's very humble in terms of the way he explains these things to me, you know, so he's wonderful in that way. But the interesting thing is that God asks his questions to you and I all the time. And he doesn't ask us for the sake of asking questions, he asks us for revelation. He wants to reveal something about you to him. And... Uh, 
Let's just take for an instance in the Garden of Eden, the fall had happened and man had rebelled and everything in creation had been turned upside down, as we know. Women. Let's look at Genesis chapter 3, verses 69. Okay, I'll have to turn around. The woman was convinced the fruit looked so fresh and delicious and it would make her so wise. That's why, you know, why do you need Google if you're married? There's the reason. So she ate some of the fruit. She also gave some to her husband, Dof, who was with her. Then he ate it too. Next one. At that moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they strung fig leaves together around their hips to cover themselves. Next slide. Toward evening, they heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid themselves among the trees. The Lord called to Adam, where are you? Now, think about this. God is God. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere, all the time. It wasn't like, I wonder if I have to find him under this bush. I'm going to check under that tree or above there. You know, where are they? He knew exactly where they were. But he still asked the question, where are are you? And that's the same question that he's asking you and I today. Where are you? And you're like saying, no, I'm sitting in church at the moment. <laughs> what is this doof guy talking about? But he's speaking to the heart, you see. And uh, this, is, this was not a question based on information. Oh, God, here we are. We're standing behind the trees. You know? No, he asked a question which was piercing to their hearts. And God the Creator, as I said, he knows everything. And he wanted to ask it because he wanted to reveal something to Adam and Eve, as he wants to reveal something to you and I. So the revelation is both about themselves and ourselves and about him. And that's very important. The revelation is, was about them, about him, and about ourselves. And those three words, God brings us to a point of revealing that we are, as we sit here, we are sinners. Okay? Hiding from his presence. And we use different things to hide from his presence. So, he has great love for us. And he's always seeking us to come back into relationship with him. And I always say, you know, sometimes our perception of who God is and what God is like changes our behavior. So if in the early days, I always used to think that God was mean. He used to stand, sit on his throne with the bolts of lightning, and every time I did something wrong, he was going to be like, jab me, so I don't want to know anything with God. Just stay out of his way. But then I got a revelation from God that, you know, I can either walk away from God in my sinful state, or because Jesus died on the cross, I can walk towards him. The curtain has been torn open from top to bottom. I walk into the throne room because Jesus made the way into his loving arms. And that changes the revelation, the perception of who God is. So when, even in our sinful nature, Jesus paid the price, so now I can walk into the arms. I don't walk away from God when I've sinned. I walk towards him and say, God, I've sinned. Forgive me. 
God, I repent of my sins. And then he loves me. He takes me and he embraces me and he calls me son. So some of you guys have got kids. And you go out to the evening and you come home and there lies a broken lamp on the floor. You probably knew who did it, but you'll still say, who broke the lamp? You see, it's not because we need the information. It's because we desire revelation. We want to teach the child to own up what they've done. You know, you've got three kids standing there. And you know the middle one's always the naughtiest one. And you know, little Johnny, he's just, he needs the revelation. I need to own up. I need to stick my hand up. I know I need to undergo the discipline of my father or my mother or my parents. But also know that they love me. And, and even though they're going to discipline me, they still love me. You see, so that is revelation, not information. But there's one particular moment in the Gospels where Jesus asks us a, a very surprising question. This is John chapter 5, verses 1 to 6. If you don't mind sticking that up for me. Okay. Now there is in Jerusalem, Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, in Aramic called Bethesda, which has five roof colonnades. In these lay multitudes of invalids, 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 <laughs> invalids, <laughs> they, they like invalid, eh? yeah, yeah. blind, lame, and paralyzed, much like most of us, and I'm joking, <laughs> I'm getting a hairy look over here, sorry sir, <laughs> in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. That's nearly 40 de uh, decades, or four decades. Next one. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already been there a long time, now he knows, okay, this guy's been lying here for 38 years. I'm God, I'm Jesus, I'm the Holy Spirit. This guy's been here for 38 years. He said to him, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? And like to you, you're sitting like, hang on, this guy's an invalid. He's been lame. And uh, there was some kind of a, a theory that angel came down once a year and stirred the water. There were bubbles in the water. And if you could just make it in time as the bubbles formed in the water, you fell into the thing and you were healed. But for 38 years, nobody helped him. You see, Jesus saw past all the excuses that he was making. And he asked him, do you want to be healed? Because he wanted a revelation. He wanted the revelation. He didn't want info. And this guy gave him information immediately. He said, oh, but Lord, I've been lying here for 38 years and nobody has helped me. You know, I don't have the strength. I don't have the, the capabilities. I'm an invalid. I'm lame. And I can't get to this, this magical lake, whatever it was, the superstitious lake that they had. So for us, it seems like a no-brainer. And if you read this in context, for almost four decades, he had been lying by this book, putting his hope in this old superstition that when the bubbles come, he's going to be healed. And of course, he wants to be healed. I mean, if you were lying there and Jesus came past you and he says, do you want to be healed? You say, of course I want to be healed. I've been lame for, for 38 years. I want to start running around like everybody else does. Now, 
if we categorize these questions into questions involving either information or revelation, and we further assume that Jesus knows information, then he must be after some form of revelation in his answer. He was like, of course I want to be healed. He says, no, 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 but hang on. I need the revelation from you. So then Jesus wants to reveal by asking that question. He's asking that question all the time. God asks us this question all the time. And he's recently asked me, and I'll go through it just now as well. In the book of John, we know that Jesus is constantly about revelation. Um, That's the reason why all seven miracles which Jesus performed in the book of John were called signs. They weren't called miracles. They were called signs. And it was mainly referred to as signs. It's because they are meant to reveal the divinity of who Jesus is. He is God. He's able to heal. He's able to, to raise up the dead. He's able to do anything. He is our divine God. So it was all about his divinity. And with this question, Jesus is forcing this lame man who'd been laying there for 38 years to look deep inside. And this last week, I've had to look deep inside as well. And is this the question Jesus might still ask us today? It's not that we don't need to be healed. We do need to be healed, every single one of us. We sit here, we do need to be healed. We need to be healed from ongoing sin in our lives. We need to be healed from the wounds of our painful circumstances. We need to be healed from our misshapen views of God. You know, sometimes we think God is, you know, God the Father is Father Christmas. You know, God, I've prayed for a portion. Why haven't I got my Porsche yet, you know? So we get upset with him. But Jesus doesn't ask us about our needs. He asks us, along with this man, something concerning our heart's desire. We, like the man, are lying in a state of ongoing sickness. And Jesus asks us the same question. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? As you sit here right now, do you want to be healed? Some of you might say, I've got nothing to be healed about. And in that moment, we like that man are forced to look inside ourselves. And think about it. This guy's been lying there for 38 years. I'm currently 63 years old. Look young, eh, for my age. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I'm actually 25. It's all the work that I'm doing that makes me look so old. See, in, in 38 years or 63 years as I am, I could become accustomed to a lot of things. It just becomes natural to me. You just do these things. So I can get over it, move on. It's not a big issue. In fact, you can become so accustomed to something that you will develop an attachment to it. You don't want to let the thing go. You know, and actually, I need this. This is what keeps me going. So now I'm just going to show some slides. This was the revelation. Somebody sent this to me based on what I'm going through at the moment. So you can read these with me. There are five slides. Won't take too long. Um, some of you might be able to identify with them. And this is called socially accepted and reward responses to trauma. So who's suffering from trauma here? You can raise your hand. Anybody? Robbie. Okay. Thanks for being honest. That gentle, uh, yeah, thank you. There's three of us in this room that are suffering from, why are your kids raising their hands? <laughs> it's his birthday today, man. 
Probably didn't get what he wanted. Did he see? Okay, next slide. These are the things, if you can see the screen, that reflect somebody that's suffering from this kind of trauma. Perfectionism, overachieving, restricting food and undereating, one meal a day, excessive exercising, people pleasing, powering through, not taking breaks or vacations, prioritizing career over personal life, being a yes person, chronic workaholism, overscheduling, functioning on a few hours of sleep. How many can relate to those? Suddenly, we're all suffering from trauma. <laughs> okay, let's go to the next slide, and this explains it. Chronic stress and trauma responses are just the ways that we cope with internal dysregulation. Some of these are shamed, and others are highly applauded and reinforced by our culture. It's amazing. Oh, you're doing so hard. I've mean, never seen somebody run so fast as you. I mean, you're just so productive, and you this way and that. There's not a single thing on the list that isn't seen as somewhat of a strength in our society. Following in these steps will likely ensure success in being seen as an accomplished human. What we really ask is, at what cost? I know we'll ask that question frequently. At what cost or to what end? And has this coping mechanism been adopted to disconnect from pain we ha may have experienced. Next slide. We talk about drugs, alcohol, rage, adrenaline-seeking behaviors, self-harming, etc., as trauma responses. Rarely do we consider the unconventional ways we cut ourselves off from traumatic experience by engaging in pro-social behaviors. Who's got it all together? So many of us that think we've got it all together. People look to me and, oh, Kim's got it all together. Carry on. Who does everything for everyone except themselves? Who's a perfectionist in all areas of our lives? The one that counts calories and wakes up at five in the morning to get to the gym while functioning of just four hours of sleep without ever asking what's going on here. Yes, this is what our culture applauds. That's me to the T, by the way. Uh, let me jump, I can't read that. While the mind rationalizes, the body takes a different approach and will send messages ranging from headaches, digestive problems, heart palpitations, to full diagnosable illnesses. It will let you know that things are off. Before we go on to the next section over there, so recently I had to go to uh, my doctor. I said to him, I wake up with severe migraines at 2 o'clock in the morning, and it's like I can't fall asleep again with severe migraines. And then some mornings I just wake up and I've got a headache. I can't go to gym. I've just take tablets, and the headache doesn't go away. And eventually he said, I think you need to go and see a psychologist, a shrink. And then one of my friends said to me, no, you're short enough. You don't have to see one of those guys. It's true. I haven't been to see the guy yet, but I am on additional tablets for the migraines and the headaches. I suffered from depression as a result of COVID. I'm still on antidepressant tablets 
So at the moment, I take 12 different tablets a day. So if I jump up and down, you'll hear rattles. It's not my bones, it's the tablets inside my stomach. Okay, let's put that slide back on. Um, yeah, so before we start applauding someone's busyness, can we take a moment to understand that we're also possibly applauding and reinforcing a trauma response and a systematically flawed system? And can we just pause and ask, how's your heart? How's your heart? And somebody asked me that the other day, and it was a tough question to answer. How's your heart, Kim? How are you doing? This was not like uh, my heart is fine. I don't necessarily have frequent heart palpitations, although I do get them now and then. But my heart is fine and strong. You know, I think when I went in for an examination, I did a colonoscopy and a gastroscopy, and guess what they found? They found my brain in the middle of here somewhere. <laughs> no, I'm joking. It was good, but uh, my heart was fine. So even though your circumstances are painful, at least there are something you know. And sometimes we become very comfortable with these circumstances. So if I look at myself right now, what I'm doing and what I'm going through, I'm very comfortable with them. I really am. So Will was in the car and we were traveling uh, up to Stillby and Swillendam. And Will asked me, how's it going? I said, Will, I absolutely love my job. I'm passionate about what I do. You see, even in that statement, there's a hidden factor. It has your heart. Could things be better? Sure they could. But at least with the way things are, you know what to expect every day. So I know every day I've got to spin so many plates. I've got to do so many things. I've got to put on the same face and say, my heart's fine, guys. Don't worry about me. I'm coping. Healing is good, but sometimes healing can also be very uncomfortable. It means letting go of what is familiar and comfortable. It means releasing ourselves totally into Jesus' care, into the Holy Spirit's care. And sometimes we're scared to do that. Because when you start opening up and when you start releasing, Jesus, your Holy Spirit, come, heal me. Take me away from this. Just show me the truth. I'm, search my heart, Lord. Search my heart. And then suddenly he starts pulling you in different directions. And you feel very ena. Start becoming very sore. It means trusting that he is better than whatever lifestyle you're currently clinging to. So like I said, I love my job. I love what I'm doing. And I'll run until the very end. Andrew said, I'm going to kill the horse that God gave me before I reached the finishing line. In fact, the other day, we were um, bringing a, a new congregation into Josh Jen. And um, after the preach, Andrew said, coming to your house afterwards. So you know, when Andrew says, I'm coming to your house afterwards, that's when you really start having heart palpitations. And he sits on the couch and he says to me, Kimmy, and when he says, Kimmy, I know. Here comes the atomic bomb. <laughs> Kimmy, you need to take a break. You're running too hard. Sustin, <laughs> Laureen's been telling me for so long, and she's actually stopped telling me to take a break. 
This is okay. Jesus, I'm going to kill yourself, kill yourself. But I'm not going to do this on my own. At least you'll get a decent pension payout. <laughs> you see, if we are willing to answer this positively, we will see inside ourselves and recognize that being healed means a departure from what we once were and moving forward into the unknown. So I'm very comfortable with what I'm doing. I think I'm competent at what I'm doing. I said I love what I'm doing. I'm passionate about what I'm doing. But be taken away from what I'm doing. Will it expose something in my heart? Who God wants me to be that I'm not. You see, but when I do that, and I say, okay, Jesus, take me. Here's my heart. Search my heart. You know me. You knew me before I was born. Take this heart. He's going to take me from the place of security and comfort where I am at the moment and take me to a place which is very uncomfortable, which is not necessarily where I want to be. And that's going to be, that's going to be very uncomfortable. Because Jesus is willing to take us through any process. And sometimes it will take much longer than we hope it will. Sometimes it's like this, in an instant he will heal you. And sometimes he will take you through a course of antibiotics, which will take months for you to find that complete healing. When Jesus comes to you with this question, don't be too quick to answer. Recognize that he's not after information, but revelation. So we've got to look inside first. Go look deep inside first. When you do, what will you say? So yesterday morning, as I was praying, the Lord got very honest with me. He's always honest with me, but this was like an honest word from the Lord. And you know how we all need that hard truth hammered home sometimes. God, give me a word. And you always want to hear the word. Oh, my son, I'm so proud of you. You're running so hard. You know, you're spinning so many plates, 42 congregations. You're looking after them in streams. You're doing this, you're doing that, you're doing that. And you're like, ah, oh, Lord, it's because I love you. And I said, Lord, you know, there's a movie that I'd like to uh, just, I, I would like to be like, I don't know if anybody of you can remember who Smitty Riker was. Anybody? Adam, you should know. This. Smitty Riker. No. Who's watched the movie Hacksaw Ridge? No, you haven't seen it yet. Hacksaw Ridge. That guy, he was a seven-day Adventist, and he refused to carry a weapon into war. And, uh, but he went to war. He went to war as a medic. Because of his religion, he couldn't shoot or kill anybody. But in the face of adversity, they had to climb up a cliff, and as soon as they got on the cliff, the enemy had, had encamped over there. And every time the guys got on top of the cliff, the enemies were hunkered down and buried in. They had dug their trenches. And the poor allies, they were shot to pieces. But this guy didn't give up. Every time somebody got injured, he grabbed him. He pulled him towards the edge of the cliff. And he lowered this injured man down by himself, 50 meters down on his own. And then he went back for the next person that he found that was injured. And he dragged him, leopard crawled on the ground, and he lowered him down. And eventually he gets shot, and he still does it. 
And he keeps on going. And the bullets are flying. And the bombs are exploding. The grenades are going off and everything. And he looks up and he says, just one more, Lord. Just one more. Let me just save one more. And I said to the Lord, Lord, you, I just want to do this for you. Just one more, Lord. Just give me one more. And I felt like God said, Kim, you're not enough. You'll never be enough. And I hurt big time. Kim, you're not enough. You'll never be enough. You see, I could never measure up to my own expectations or even that of the world around me. My expectations will continue to become higher. People's expectations of me and around me will be even higher. Because you can do so much, more will be given to you to do. And because you never say no, which my doctor said is one of my biggest problems, I can't say no. You're going to have to learn to say no. Read the book of Boundaries, which I've read many years ago. And I want to read it again. <laughs> but there was something freeing about admitting and saying, yes, Lord, I'll never be enough. I'll never be enough. I'll never be enough for Josh Jen. I'll never be enough for my friends. I'll never be enough for my wife. You see, it was a relief to me because of what the Lord whispered to me next. He said, but Jesus, he's enough. He's enough. So sometimes the word, well, the word does say not sometimes. The word says, do not lean on your own understanding. Do not lean on your own strength. But in all things, trust the Lord. And we tend to lean on our own strength and our own understanding. Instead of saying, God, he has my heart. Search my heart, Lord. I'm going to pray as we close. Michelle, I don't know if you want to jump up on the keyboard and sing a little song for me. You know which one? You can uh, sing. You know which one? I think so. <laughs> so, this first part of the prayer that I'm going to pray is out of Psalm 139, verses 23 to 24. Search me, O God. And know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. And Father, many of us that are sitting here right now, Lord, we hide behind those walls, those trauma walls, all those things that are listed on that list over there. And some of them, Lord, are like a crutch to us. We take great pride in some of the things that we do. And that's just hiding the simple truth that somewhere in us there's a fear or there's a crack or there's a wound inside of us. As we just use the celestoplast to hide it without trusting you. And right now the Holy Spirit saying, if you've been touched, I want to heal you. I want to take you out of your comfort zone right now and take you to this place where it's uncomfortable, stretching and say, Lord, I need a change. I can't be this guy any longer.
Because it's not only damaging to me, it's damaging to my relationship with my wife, my fellow colleagues, my friends, and to the church. And more so, Lord, it's damaging to you. It was actually a sign of disobedience. I think it's in Hebrews 3 where the Lord says, you need to observe the Sabbath day and take a day's rest, which I never do. It's actually sinning against the Lord by not resting. So I need to confess and repent of and say, Lord, I, I will rest. Because Jesus, you are all I need. I don't have it all together, Lord. I really don't. I know little in comparison to how much you know. But I do pray right now along with these people. The only strength that I can get is from you and your Holy Spirit. If you felt the Lord spoke to you during this message, stand up and then I'd like to pray for you and then we'll end off with a little song. Don't be afraid to stand up. Thank you. Lord, there are many of us standing or seated, Lord. But Lord, when you ask the question, how's your heart? Sometimes our responses aren't that of revelation. And we know, Lord, that you ask questions that want to be that of revelation. You want us to say, no, actually, Lord, you know everything. You know my heart. You know every thought of mine. You know every word that's going to come out of my mouth even before I speak it. Lord, sometimes I do lean on my own strength. I lean on my own understanding. Lord, I do things to mask pain. I do things to hide guilt. Lord, sometimes I'm embarrassed by what I've been called and what I do. Sometimes because I've been labeled something, I continue to do that, to be a people pleaser. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that right now with any one of these people that are standing or sitting, that you break that right now by the blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus. Lord, Lord, you've created us as individuals. You created us each for a plan and a purpose. And I love Jeremiah chapter 1 from verse 5 to 10. God was speaking to Jeremiah. And he said, I knew you even before your parents thought about you. And he said, I watched you get knitted together in the darkness of your mother's womb. And I have anointed you to be a prophet over the nations. And then Jeremiah says, but Lord, I'm too young. I'm only 15 years old. That's lighty, 15 years old. The Lord says, don't tell me you're too young. And he took a burning coal and he touched the person's lip, Jeremiah's lips. And he started speaking. And Jeremiah fell down as the Lord anointed him and sent him into the nations, not just to Israel, into the nations to be a prophet as a 15-year-old. But you see, the point of that, and 
as you guys are standing and sitting here, is that God has a plan and a purpose for each one of you that He has given you. Before you were even born, He knew exactly where you are now. Don't mask the pain. Don't hide the issues which you are struggling with. Don't believe that you are a waste of space or you're a waste of oxygen. Don't believe that you just come here to warm the chairs of this congregation. God wants to do a work in you. He wants to pull your heart open. And He says, I want to reveal myself, my love, my care to you through my Holy Spirit. So Lord, let your Holy Spirit fall on us right now. Bring about a healing. Bring about a revelation in our hearts. Lord, we want to move forward to advance your kingdom. We want to move into a place of our calling where you have called us. Lord, we never want to look over our shoulders one day and say, that which I built, I built on the wrong foundation. It was the foundation of my, my kids or my work. It was, it, the foundation was completely wrong, Lord. I built on the foundation of Jesus Christ and every step and everything I build with now is built with eternity in mind. Because that is your calling and that is your purpose for me. Holy Spirit, not by my power, not by my strength, but by your power right now. Speak to these people. Touch them. Heal them, Lord. Heal each one that's standing. Heal them, Lord. In your time, with your love, with your gentleness, with your love, with your love, your love with your love speak speak Lord. 